hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Well, thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. So glad you could join me today. Hey, it's the first day of spring. And what do you know? I'm looking for a snow shovel and I'm gassing up my snowblower. That's why my neighbors love me so much. Or at least that's why I think they love me so much. It's because of my snowblower. This thing is the size of a Zamboni and can clear the neighborhood in all of about three minutes flat. Now, why do I have a snowblower that big? I really don't know. I have no idea, but it does come in handy about once a year. And if I'm trying to make friends, this is going to be the third or maybe even the fourth nor'easter we've had in the last few weeks in the Northeast, which probably means I wouldn't get my hopes up about next month's housing starts. Housing's in an interesting place right now. You have low inventory and you have rising prices, but they're being offset by mortgage rates, higher mortgage rates than we've seen over the last several years and rising material costs, things like lumber. And of course, you have a shortage of labor too. There's a lot of pushing and pulling going on right now. I still like the home builders, but I'm more of a fan of the home building retailers, people like Home Depot and Lowe's, because rising home prices mean existing owners have more equity that they can use for remodeling. I'd stay with them. Now, don't forget, we're having a party. We've rented out VizArts in Rockville, which is a fantastic uh, event center. VizArts in Rockville, we've called the caterer and, and, we're bringing in Rudy Maxa to entertain us. Rudy has the travel show, Rudy Maxa's World. It's on PBS if you haven't seen it. So he's going to give us some of his best travel tips. Matter of fact, he might even tell us how he was scammed in uh, Bonus Aries while he was on vacation. We don't know. We'll, ha- we'll have to ask him about that one. It's April 17th. So right after you've dropped your taxes in the mail, head on over for a fun night out. If you're a client, or you're on our mailing list, you should have received an invitation in your email. Make sure you RSVP. If you didn't, or you want to get on our mailing list, well, let us know. Send me an email at podcast at xmlfg.com. Once again, it's podcast, it's plural, at xmlfg.com. Or you can just go to our website and you can get on the mailing list there. Today, I want to talk about saving for retirement, something we all need to do, but some of us, and you know who you are, are putting it off. Hopefully, this will help you get going. But first, let me spend a couple of minutes on the markets and reading the tea leaves. I think the market continues to grind through this consolidation phase. Typically, when you get a correction like we did starting in late January, it's not unusual for the market to retest its low within the next month. Now, obviously, we're beyond that point, but that doesn't mean we're out of the woods. I think that volatility could keep a lid on things for a bit longer. And here's what I mean. The market was down more than 1% last week after being up 4% the week before. 
It's nothing like we saw last year when it seemed like it was smooth sailing all the time. I think it's important to keep in mind that the fundamentals continue to support the prospects for strong year-over-year earnings growth. I wouldn't count on much of the way of a multiple expansion, meaning how much investors are willing to pay for a dollar of earnings. You could, as a matter of fact, you could very well see them contract some, but rather, I think investment returns are going to be driven by the earnings. Another piece of the puzzle is that confidence in the economy is soaring particularly among small business owners who are responsible for the majority of hiring in the U.S. CEO confidence is also suggesting that with strong cash flow, tax savings, and repatriated profits, corporate buybacks could be as much as 50% higher this year than last year. That's a pretty bullish piece because buybacks have been an important part of demand for stocks during this bull market. This week, the markets will be giving some attention to the Fed. The Fed meeting starts Tuesday and goes until Wednesday. And it's almost a given at this point that they'll raise rates by a quarter of a point. But what most people will be watching is Chairman Powell's first press conference. Right now, The market is thinking we'll have three rate hikes this year. If he says there's a potential for more, well, you could see increased volatility. I'd stay with the businesses that are aligned with a strengthening economy, the financials, the industrials, and the technology stocks. Financials will continue to benefit from a more relaxed regulatory environment and favorable credit conditions. And the industrials and the techs, well, they should benefit from the improving GDP, gross domestic product. What's promising is that during this consolidation phase, you haven't seen the defensive stocks take over. And that's what happens when you see a change of direction in the market. And they probably haven't taken control because higher interest rates hurt sectors, the defensive sectors like utilities and consumer staples. My best guess, and it's a guess, My best guess is that we trade in this range somewhere on the low end of 2650 up to 2800 on the S&P until we see some significant volume to the upside. That's what we've been lacking. We've been lacking the momentum that we need for a breakout. In the meantime, let's do what we always do. Let's focus on the fundamentals. Let's buy good companies at good prices. Let's stay value oriented. One other thing I'll mention is that AT&T and Time Warner, well, that trial gets underway this week. I like TWX, which is Time Warner, under $94. I think they have a great collection of assets, which are being priced for less than what I think that they're worth. The outcome of the trial really doesn't matter all that much to me. I think TWX is a good company trading at a good price. I had someone ask me about the transports the other day, changing subjects here. Had someone ask me about the transports. I've talked about FedEx before on the show. As a matter of fact, I did almost a whole show on them, symbol FDX. And longtime listeners know that I'm an owner of Union Pacific, symbol UNP. I own both FedEx and Union Pacific. Now, this group, the transports are economically sensitive. In other words, 
when the economy is doing well, they should do well. They've taken a breather here lately because of the fears of a trade war. But looking through the soft patch, I'd continue to own the rails and the air freight, the logistic companies at the expense of the airlines. I know a lot of folks have been talking about the airlines lately, but it seems to me that the airlines are getting bogged down by rising capacity, which is usually what happens, and falling air air prices, airfare prices, excuse me. Maybe this is something Rudy Maxa can help us with when he's in town on, on the 17th. We'll talk about airfares. The railroads, on the other hand, have seen a spike in their forward earnings estimates, which have put their valuations on par with the market. So they aren't cheap, cheap. And you know I'm cheap. They aren't cheap. But if global growth continues, then rail profits should remain on track and continue to improve. The demand for rail hauling, well, it remains upbeat. As a matter of fact, it looks like the intermodal segment, which is roughly half of all shipments, it looks like it's on the cusp of a, of a breakout to me. The one thing I'd keep my eye on is coal. That's a big driver for the rails too. So intermodal, I think looks like it's breaking out. We'll have to keep our eye on coal. With Union Pacific, symbol UNP, right now it's trading around $137. I'm going to need it to drop back to about $125, please. I thought that might help, please. I need to drop back to $125 before I could be a buyer. If you pull up a stock quote on the company, it's going to tell you that it, or it could be telling you that it's trading for over 23 times earnings. That's crazy. Last year, they earned $580 a share. So that's right, 23 times earnings. But if you take this year's earnings estimates, and they're just estimates, they're, they're guesses. The guess for Union Pacific is for them to earn close to $7.65 a share. That's a 30% increase over last year, a 30% increase in earnings. If you use this year's estimates, well, Union Pacific is trading about 17 or 18 times earnings. And you know what? That's still a little too much for me. At 125, it would be trading at about 16 times earnings, and that would be enough for me to start nibbling. I do love me some railroads. We need to step away, and when we come back, we'll talk about March Madness and saving for retirement. This is Eric Whiteman. We are back in a moment. You've worked hard. You've saved and invested. Now you want to make sure all your hard work pays off. Now's the time to start planning for that future. Hi, this is Eric Whiteman of the XML Financial Group. No two people have the same goals and values. We can help you craft a framework for making a lifetime of smart financial decisions that's right for you. Now's the time to get the advice you deserve. Call us at 301-770-5234. Well, thank you and welcome back to today's edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. Just want to remind you, visit us at XMLFG.com. That's where you can find out more about us and what we do for our day jobs. If you have a question for the show, 
email us at podcast, which is plural, podcast at xmlfg.com. It's March Madness. As a matter of fact, Easter falls on April Fool's Day this year. No joke. It's March Madness. And if you're like me, well, your bracket has just been busted up right from the start. Sure, we started off with a few little wins, but then things started to just come unravel when UMBC beat the overall number one seed, Virginia. And then it kind of continued along with Buffalo, Nevada, Loyola, all moving on to the Sweet 16. Xavier lost to Florida State. Now, don't get me wrong. I hate that I've been eliminated along with most of my compadres here, but I do find it kind of exciting, this mad scramble that's going on. Matter of fact, watching the Virginia UMBC game, I was a little bit conflicted because I grew up in Baltimore and I live in Virginia. Who do I vote or who do I root for? Well, ultimately, I wound up rooting for UMBC because of the hometown thing. And, you know, who doesn't love a good underdog, right? Virginia fans don't send any hate mail. Like I said, it's a hometown thing. So for as much as excitement as there's been this year's tournament, looking back on it, I still wouldn't change my bracket. It's the same thing with investing. You do your research and you form your opinion on what you think gives you your best chances for success. You don't invest by wagering on all long shots, hoping you're going to hit it big. No, that's what your second bracket's for. That's the gambling money. And for retirement savings, it should be a very small amount that you're gambling with, if at all. Let's talk about savings. It's a simple enough question. How do I save for retirement? But it's not so easy to answer. So much of it's contextual. It depends on your time frame, your risk tolerance, how much you can save. To answer the question, the first place I suggest everyone start is by doing some sort of financial planning. I know I say it all the time on the show, but it's true. If you're going to build a house, then you're going to get blueprints. You aren't just going to start hammering boards together. It's the same thing with retirement plan. If you're going to start, you need to get that plan in place so you can start building for the future. It's just common sense. If you want to get somewhere, then you get directions. You just don't drive around. Studies show that you're more likely to succeed by having a plan than you are by not having a plan. You've heard the old saying, you don't plan to fail, you fail to plan. Now, not everyone needs a comprehensive, in-depth financial plan with all the accountants and lawyers sitting around the table. Yes, some of you could benefit from that type of planning, but I think a lot of people are just fine with what I call foundational planning. Either way, I'm convinced you're better off with a plan than without. And once you've done it, once you've got that plan in place, once you've turned the invisible into the visible, now you can start putting some context around the question, how do I save for retirement? Let's talk about some of the ways you could be saving towards the future. I consider myself a pretty darn good financial advisor. Matter of fact, the absolute best. I'll pat myself on the back here because I know you can't get to it, but There's something that you can do for yourself that I can't do for you. And I'll tell you about that in a second. One of the realities is, is that the government wants you to save. That's why they give you incentives to do it. If you're working and you have a retirement plan available, I think you should be using it if it's at all possible because 
it comes with specific tax benefits. Now, if it's a traditional 401k or a plan like it, you get to reduce your taxable income by a dollar for every dollar you put in. So if you save 18500 that's the limit for this year. If you're under 50 years old, it's 24500 if you're age 50 or older. So if you're saving that 18500 into your 401k, well, that means you get to pocket a rather nice tax savings this year and not have to pay taxes on any of that money until you withdraw it in retirement. It'll grow tax deferred. Many workplaces, a lot of workplaces now, also offer plans that come in the Roth variety, the Roth flavor, which means you don't get to save on taxes this year, but that money won't be taxed at all in retirement. IRAs, it's another way you can save for your future. IRAs, you can fund up to $5,500 this year or $6,500 if you're age 55 or older. And IRAs come in both flavors too, the traditional and the Roth. There are arguments for both. So you want to learn more about Roth and traditional accounts if you're unsure where you stand, or you can always just call us and we can help you. It's not just Uncle Sam who's trying to help you retire here. Chances are good that if your employer offers a work plan, a plan like a 401k, then they're probably offering you some incentives to participate in that plan. And usually these incentives take form, take the form of matching funds, whereby if you put a certain amount aside in the plan, your employer, employer will contribute some cash on top of what you contribute to help boost your account balance. Now, it's going to vary by plan and by workplace, but the bottom line is if someone is offering you free money, take it. That's something I can't do for it. If you put $1,000 in and they match you $1,000, you've doubled. I'm a great advisor, but I can't double your money overnight like that. Anyway. Bottom line is, at the very least, if it's at all possible, make sure you max out your employer match. As a matter of fact, I saw a study just a a couple of weeks ago. It was a study that was published, I think it was in 2015, but it estimated that American workers were leaving $24 billion, $24 billion in matching funds on the table each year. And that's an average of $1,336 per worker who failed to take full advantage by not maxing out their employer match. Again, that's like free money. Claim it. Common sense would tell you if you can take it, take it. Another question I get a lot is how much should I put in my retirement plan versus a savings or investment account? And this is a great question. And I see this mistake happen a lot. Like I said earlier, it's just going to depend on your situation. But think of it like this. It's a balancing act. I think you need both. If you save only into a retirement plan and life happens, and I'll tell you, life always happens and you need the money, an emergency comes up, you need to get to the money, then you may be forced to withdraw from your work plan and that could lead to taxes and penalties and probably a whole bunch of headaches that you don't want. 
my belief is, is that you should take a balanced approach here. Have money set aside that you can easily get to in case of an emergency. And then after that, then start squirreling it away into those retirement plans and investment accounts. Again, having a well-thought-out, well-balanced plan, I think will pay off in the long run. That's about all the time we have for today. We'll be back next Wednesday with new ideas. And until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.